0: We are on the top of Yivamus Lamed of 381 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, the Daf for this week, the page for this week, uh, contain, first contains four Mishnayos. There are four Mishnayos which discuss very similar scenarios. Uh, the structure is the overall structure is basically the same. It's somewhat similar to what we had before, where there are three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Two of them are married uh, to two sisters. So Reuven is married to Mrs. Ruvain, Shimon is married to Mrs. Shimon. Mrs. Reuven and Mrs. Shimon are both sisters. And then Levi is married uh, to somebody else who is not a sister. And so those are the, that's the overall structure. Each Mishnah will discuss a different scenario, a different nuance within that. Uh, but that's what the, the Gemara will be discussing for the first four Mishnayos. And then towards the end of the week, we will begin a new Mishnah with a very new, very interesting topics on that new Mishnah. It will discuss what we refer to as Shas topics. They are un, they consist of underlying principles which which apply throughout Shas throughout the Talmud, and it's really uh, some very interesting uh, topics. <coughs> so first we have uh, the four Mishnayos, four similar Mishnayos that we will go through today. We will discuss the first two Mishnayos. There is very little commentary from the Gemara from each Mishnah. So we will be able to cover two Mishnayos. The Mishnah says as follows, Again, the same case. We have three brothers, Reuben, Shimon, and Levi. Two of them are married to two sisters. Reuben and Shimon are married to two sisters. The, and Levi, the third one is married to somebody who is not related uh, to anybody. He's married to, to his wife, not related to anybody else. So there are two cases in the Mishnah. The first case is where uh, let's say Ruvain passes away first and then Levi does Yibum. Shimon obviously can't do Yibam because it not only is it his sister-in-law as in his brother's wife but it's also his wife's sister but Levi, Levi is allowed to do Yibam and Levi does Yibam so he does Yibam and now Levi has his own wife his original wife and now he's also married to Mrs. Ruvain the mace and then Levi passes away without any children and so the law is as follows, So essentially this is should be viewed as a classical case of the first Mishnah. We now are left with two brothers, Levi passes away, his, he has one wife, uh, who is who's his, who's his wife the entire time, the other wife is the sister of Shimon's wife, and so there's an exemption there, that was the very first Mishnah that we started off with, there's an exemption because they're related through some other way. It's an immediate relative. And then the co-wife is also exempt, because there's an exemption for the co-wife. That is case number one. Case number two is slightly different. Uh, also, about Maimar maze Levi does not do Yibam. Instead, he just does Maimar. Maimar, and let's assume that we're within, we're within Beis Hillel, uh, not within Beis Shammai. Maimar is a rabbinic type of an engagement, not like Beis Shammai where it could be a complete halachic engagement on a biblical level. This is, we follow the opinion of Baiselah, that this is a rabbinic engagement. And then he dies, then Levi dies. So now that gets a little more complicated, because on a Torah level, uh, Levi was never married to Ruvain's wife. And so therefore on a Torah level, his, uh, his first wife is not really a co-wife with the relative. With Mrs. Ruvain, who's related to Mrs. Shimon, who's sister's with Mrs. Shimon. And as such, we say, It's true that when it comes to Mrs. Ruvain, and Levi did Mimer to Mrs. Ruvain, she's totally exempt because there's a total exemption there. It's a case of an erva, um, of an immediate relative, of a close relative, but Levi's wife, Levi's original wife, who's not related to anybody, so then she's still asked to do Khalita. because only Mimer was done. It's not really a co wife. On a Torah level, it's not a co wife. And so therefore we say, but since Mimer was also done, don't do Yibam, because on a rabbinic level they're they're co-wives, but on a biblical level, on a Torah level, they're not co-wives. And so therefore we say, do Chalitza, but you can't do Yibam, because you are related on a rabbinic level. You are co-wives on a rabbinic level. Okay, that is the Mishnah. That is the two cases of the Mishnah. So the Gemara now has just a few lines, and it says as follows. We can make the following following conclusion, says Rav Nachman. The last case of the Mishnah said, if you did maimer, so then we say you should do chalitza and you should not do yibam. So Rav Nachman going to say, well, wait a minute. Let's say you didn't do Maimur. Let's say ruben's wife just uh, Reuven passed away, and Ruben's wife now is should be doing yibam or chalitza with Levi. With regards to Shimon, there's absolutely no connection there because Shimon's wife. Is Mrs. Ruvain's sister. So there's absolutely no connection there. So she would only have a connection to Levy. Levy's wife is not related to anybody in this picture besides her being Levy's wife. Uh, so even let so the, the the suggestion is even without mimer even without this uh mimer of creating a strong connection, we should already have a strong connection through Zika alone. Zika itself is a strong bond. And we should say that even if Levy were to die without doing Maimer, let's say he didn't do Mimer but still, Levi's wife and Mrs. Ruvain should have a certain bond through Zika where they are co wives through this Zika. Forget about Mimer, but they're co wives through this Zika. So, why does the Mishnah have to tell us Mimer? It should just tell us that even if there wasn't Mimer, there's this Zika. That Zika creates a connection. It makes them co wives on a Zika level. And that should say, that should tell us that you cannot do Ebim. So, Rav Nachman says, must be. I'm Rav Nachman according to this Mishnah, must be that this Mishnah holds that there is no Zika. There is no such thing as such a strong bond. We don't view it as such a strong bond, even when there's only one brother. Even though te- technically there are two brothers here, Shimon and Levi are both alive, but Shimon's sort of out of the picture here because uh, there's absolutely no Zika when it comes to Shimon, because his wife, his sisters with Mrs. Ruven, the one who has this potential for yibum, And so therefore it's only... Only Levi in the picture. So even with regards to one brother, it seems to be that this Mishnah holds that there is no Zika. There is no strong connection. If there were to be a strong connection, we wouldn't need Maimur in the Mishnah. It would just tell us that Levi passed away before doing anything. And Zika itself would cause a, a, a co-wife type of a relationship. So it must be that there's no Zika and we do not have that co-wife type of a relationship. That is the end of the Gemara. The whole point of the Gemara was just for Rav Nachman to prove to us that this Mishnah must hold Ein Zika, that there's no Zika connection, and that's why uh, the Mishnah had to mention Mamar. The Gemara we'll get, we'll, we will get will we get back to this uh, Mishnah and this discussion of the Gemara uh, later on in the week, in a later recording. The Gemara will come back to this, but that's what the Gemara says for now. Next Mishnah, similar case, next Mishnah. Shloshah Achim, three brothers, same case, three brothers. Reuben and Shimon are married to two sisters, Mrs. Reuben and Mrs. Shimon. Levi is the third brother, he's married to somebody who's not related to anybody else. But in this case, this is a little different because in this case, Levi dies first. Levi, the one whose wife is not related to anybody, he dies first. And what happens? And let's say Reuven then does Yibam to Levi's wife. Either Reuven or Shimon could have done Yibam because his wife is not related to any of them. But Ruvain decides to do Yibam, the mace, and then Ruvain dies. So now Ruvain is left. He he has two wives. He has one who is the sister of Shimon's wife, and the other one was Levi's former wife that Ruvain did Yibam to. So we say, So with regards to this law, it's the same thing. In the end of the day, we have a case here where one is a relative, the other one is a co-wife, the relative is exempt because she's a relative, and the co-wife is exempt because she's the co-wife of a relative. Just like the first Mishnah, just like the last Mishnah, the first Mishnah of the entire tractate of the Misachas, Misahta, and then also like the last Mishnah. The only and then we'll discuss the next case, Asabimer Vimes. Case number two is also a similar case. So Levi from the previous Mishnah, Levi passes away, and then Ruven, instead of doing Yibam, he just does Mamar. With Levi's wife, uh, Mrs. Levi. So we say, So with regards to uh, Ruvain's first wife, who's the sister, so that's a total exemption. Because he only did Ma'amar to Levi's wife, who's not related to anybody, not related to Shimon's wife, but since he did Ma'amar, you can't do Yibam, because on a rabbinic level, there is this co wife type of a relationship, and the co wife is exempt. But on a biblical level, on a Torah level, Uh, they are not viewed as co-wives, and so therefore we have to do something, so we tell them to do chalitza. You should go ahead and do chalitza. That is what the Mishnah says. And the Gemara is going to ask, why do we have to have both cases? These are very, very similar cases. In the end of the day, for both cases, we're left with a co-wife scenario where one is a relative, one's not a relative, or it's just Maimar, where it might be a co-wife on a rabbinic level. But in the end of the day, the situation is very, very similar. The only difference is that in one case, Ruvain passes away, and then Levi does yibum to Ruvain's wife, to Mrs. Ruvain. The second case, Levi passes away, and Ruvain does yibum or mamar to Levi's wife. But in the end of the but in the end of the day, it's a very similar scenario where there's a wife who is uh, should be exempt uh, because she's a relative, and the other wife, the co-wife, is uh, the co-wife is a co-wife and th- therefore should be exempt because she's the co-wife of a. Uh, of an erva, of an immediate relative. So the Gemara asks this question: Hasul Amali, Why do we have to have both cases? I it's the same exact thing. And not only is it the same exact thing, but it's even the first Mishnah is a bigger chiddush. It's it's a bigger chiddush. It's more of a novel halacha for the following reason: Uma hasam isha habetzar el achris And so the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, and we will explain the Gemara based on the simple explanation of Rashi, that in the first case, what's the case? The case is where Levi is the one who's alive. Reuven died. Levi has his wife. And let's say the case, they're questioning the second case, the case of Mamar, which is, Really, what the mission is coming to teach us? It's teaching us about mamar. So, in that case of mamar, Levi's full wife is the one who's not related to anybody. His rabbinic, let's say, rabbinic wife, or it works on a rabbinic level. The mamar wife is the one who is an erva, is related to Shimon's to Shimon's wife. Uh, and even in that case, we'll say that even though the the primary wife is not related sort of the rabbinic wife, the secondary, the, the, the one who's on a lower level, is the one who is related, and we'll still say, that we'll call this a case of a co-wife of an erva, the co-wife of an immediate relative, to say that there's an exemption, or at least it requires chalitza, because it's only on a rabbinic level, if it's ma'mar, but we'll say that it will impact the co-wife, even though the one who's not related, the co-wife who's not related, is the primary wife. Uh, so then certainly in our case, in the second Mishnah, so then, in the second mission, the Levi is the one who dies. Ruvain is the one who does yibam mamar or mamar, and so Ruvain's primary wife is the one who is the relative. So then, certainly in that case, that will impact the secondary wife, uh, the wife who did just in mamar, uh, to say that there's a, that there's an exemption from yibum that we wouldn't do yibum. We have to do chalitza if it's mamar because it's only rabbinic. But there wouldn't be Yibam. So. Why do we need the second Mishnah? The second Mishnah is not adding anything. There's no novel explanation in the second Mishnah. And if anything, the first Mishnah, one would have thought that maybe the co-wife who's not related should ha- should have should be able to do yibum, because she's the primary wife, and therefore the the secondary, the one that's tafel, shouldn't impact uh, the first wife who is not related uh, to Shimon's wife. But we say no. The conclusion of the Mishnah is that no, that there is an exemption from Yibam, you have to do Chalitza because it's only Rabbinic, but there would be an exemption. And so the Mishnah is really the novel, the first Mishnah is the the novel uh, explanation. The second Mishnah now becomes unnecessary. Sometimes if it was flipped, uh, explain explain some of the commentators, that if it was flipped, so then, okay, I can understand. There's a progression here of of, um, one case and then followed by a second case, which is more of a Chiddush. There's a more of a novelty in that second case and so therefore there's some sort of progression here. But in our scenario we have the case where is which is a bigger chodesh which is a a bigger novelty first so then it's unnecessary to have the second Mishnah. Why do we have to have the second Mishnah? So the Gemara explains as follows. Tanahach, Tanah Barisha really the second Mishnah when they were writing the Mishnayos it's a discussion when exactly they wrote the Mishnayos but when they were writing down the Mishnayos to make it into a certain order the second Mishnah was first and uh, they said that you know it's uh, it's it, it's uh, it's a case where there's no yibum, uh, but uh, you would have to do chalitza, uh, or in the first case where there there Reuven did do Yibam, so then we would say that they're they're really cohabits on a biblical level, and there's a total exemption, but only afterwards vahader chazel liyisura, de Aktima just to to re-explain the Gemara. The Gemara is saying as follows. That really the second Mishnah, our last Mishnah that we just read, was really the Mishnah that they had. Then they taught the first Mishnah. And the first Mishnah was more of a chidush; It was more of a novel idea. Because one would have thought, sorry, this is what the the Gemara really meant. Uh, I apologize, I misread the, explained the Gemara a minute ago. uh, That when it comes to the first Mishnah, it's more of a novel interpretation uh, of novel halacha because you might have thought that the co-wife would be allowed to, for her to do yibam because the one that's not related because she's the primary wife. But the ruling is that no, she cannot do yibam. And that's more chaviv. When we have a more novel explanation, it's more chaviv, it's more dirtas. And so therefore they placed it first. Even though we already had our mishnah, i.e. the second mishnah, they moved the mishnayas around to place it first. And they didn't get rid of our Mishnah, even though our Mishnah now is unnecessary. The second Mishnah is unnecessary. It's superfluous uh, because it's just included in the first Mishnah. It's the same idea as the first Mishnah. But once we already had it in, so we left it there. We left it there, but we still wanted to have the first Mishnah in our list. First, because it's more Chavav to us. It's more dear to us when there is a Chiddush, when there is a novel interpretation, a novel halacha. Uh, so that's the end of the Gemara, but just two points from the Gemara. One point is that uh, we see this idea that when there's a chiddush, when there's a very interesting new perspective, new way of looking at something, so that's Chavavtas, that is dear to us, that we even put, we prioritize that, we put that first. Uh, we would put that first, and so it's something which is Chavavtas, tells us the Gemara. The second idea is that uh, there's a commentator, the Tiferet Yisrael, who explains that in the end of the day, why don't they just get rid of the second Mishnah? You could just get rid of this last Mishnah that we read because it's, extra, superfluous, why didn't they get rid of it? So he gives an interesting explanation. He says that it was all, it was always there. And then they added the, the first Mishnah. And so they moved the first Mishnah to be first uh, because it was more chav, it was more dear to them. But they couldn't get rid of the second Mishnah, explains it to Pharaoh, because when they placed the Mishnayos, so they placed them in such an order and in such a way where it is uh, said in a song. The reason why the Mishnayos are written in such a way where it's... Uh, difficult without any explanation and without uh, necessarily clear sentences. It's done that because it, it was made to, to, to go with a song so that they would memorize the Mishnayos so that they can memorize the Halacha. Once they had that Mishnah in there, it was part of the song. Since it was part of the song, they couldn't get rid of it. And so It's an interesting uh, historical uh, point of the Tiferis Israel that once it's there, they can't get rid of it uh, because it's really part of the song and it's a way for them to memorize the Mishnayos and the Halacha. We'll stop here and we'll begin the next Mishnah, the third third of four. Similar Mishnayos in the next recording.